Bitcoin is the most well-known cryptocurrency in the world and still has leaps and bounds to go in regards to adoption. But believe it or not, there are over 6,500 cryptocurrencies currently on the market. All these projects aim to serve and or disrupt a lot of the traditional markets in our economy from lending to the derivatives or even real estate. And in the past few weeks, we've had a lot of updates that have happened in the market or at least news relevant to crypto. A micro strategy on the most recent dip bought another $10 million worth of Bitcoin. So uh, there's still some Bitcoin bulls out there. It looks like it just passed another $40,000 uh, again this past weekend. Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard over the last few weeks about Wall Street bets uh, taking on the hedge funds in the stock market, uh, really uh, doing a coordinated effort to execute a short squeeze on GameStop. Uh, so it's been a, a pretty impactful uh, last few weeks, uh, all really bullish for, for crypto, uh, the revolution in decentralization and digitization of money is really just at its beginning but we'll be briefly discuss some of the market updates and we'll talk more about my portfolio this is the good samaritan podcast i'm your host jason jackson let's get into episode 24 uh, we'll talk about some of the market and my portfolio part two let's get into it Welcome to the show. We'll do some housekeeping things at the beginning. Just remind everyone, every, this podcast is just for educational purposes only. Uh, these are my personal opinions. I like just sharing uh, what I've experienced uh, with my investments, whether that's crypto, uh, whether that's real estate, whether that's stocks. So uh, welcome to this new episode. The other housekeeping thing I want to address uh, is actually tokenmetrics.com. Uh, I am a official partner there. So I use token metrics to uh, help make me help make decisions on uh, what investments I like uh, in crypto as I do uh, research on which projects I think will will do uh, well over the course of the market. So you can use uh, Jason Jackson five. Uh, when you sign up, you get 10% off. Uh, so definitely check them out. Big fan of their uh, big fan of their platform. They've uh, done very well for me over the past uh, year. Uh, so let's get into the episode. I uh, actually got a few questions, so I'll knock off a few questions before I kind of talk about the market updates uh, in regards to crypto. And we'll get into my portfolio more, but I got some questions over the last few weeks uh, that I wanted to clarify on. So first, uh, as I mentioned in my, my first episode that uh, Ethereum is uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin are the majority of my portfolio. Uh, Ethereum is about 50 percent of my portfolio. It's actually gone down, uh, not because I've. Uh, sold any of it, mostly because I've I've experienced some really strong growth uh, with Ave over the last few weeks. So I'll, I'll give an update there as well. Uh, but Ethereum is roughly about 50, 46 to 50 percent of my portfolio. Uh, Bitcoin is just 10 percent uh, of my portfolio. Uh, I do have some that I reinvested back when it was at twenty nine thousand. Uh, and I'm actually kind of debating whether I'm going to uh, ever sell that portion of Bitcoin. I might hold on to that for the, the long term. But We'll see. I'll uh, we'll see how the rest of this year goes. So I wanted to address that. Um, I had the question of what did I buy Ethereum at? I actually I have been accumulating Ethereum uh, over the past uh, six to nine months since I got into crypto. Uh, my weighted cost average uh, on those purchases is about sixteen six hundred and eighteen dollars per per ETH. So. I do de do wish I had uh, started a bit earlier, uh, but if you know where the price is at the moment, I actually think we we have fit, I think the this past few days high was around seventeen sixty. I know where I think we're we're um, around about sixteen sixty, but 
Um, my returns are still looking pretty good. So I'm pretty, uh, pretty happy with where we are so far. And hopefully uh, Ethereum will, will continue its run the rest of this year. And those returns will get uh, a lot higher. Uh, that's for sure. But that's where I came in on ETH. Uh, my my dollar cost average on there because I've bought some over time. Uh, Six hundred and eighteen dollars is when I is what my position is at uh, in regards to cost. Uh, overall, my portfolio is uh, well into the five figures and one more leg up. I think I'll be knocking on the door of a six figure uh, threshold on return. So I'm really uh, I'm definitely bullish and definitely there. There's typically a big smile on my face when I wake up in the morning. Uh, though that's not every day. Some of the pullbacks can be um, significant if you've been in crypto. Um, but strong hands are are what um, the is where the profits come in and where the money is made. Uh, but at the moment, uh, my total portfolio has achieved a 160% return. Uh, so based on all of the coins that I've had and what I bought them at, uh, I've more than doubled uh, my money. I'm on the way to, I believe that's quadrupling it. Uh, once I hit 200% return. So um, very exciting time. Uh, like I said, it was just the beginning of the bull run a few months ago. Uh, we're definitely into the bull run. Um, and I'm excited to see where this bull run takes us. Uh, I do, I will talk about it, my exit strategy um, in more depth later on. But as of right now, I'm, I'm kind of just watching the market. Uh, I look at my portfolio every day. I'm thinking about my positions every day. I'm making, I'm taking action uh, on my positions every day. Uh, and I will start to take a uh, profit uh, based on a certain price uh, for each one of the coins that I have. So I have not taken any profit yet because uh, I do still believe we're early on in the bull run. I do think uh, there are some months ago in this year uh, with some with a lot more gains to be made, particularly around Ethereum, uh, which I, I'm probably looking at a price target of eight to twelve thousand where I'll start to take uh, some profits off the table. Um, and then kind of ride that up to to some of the the um, higher highs that have been uh, suggested uh, throughout the marketplace. But there are a number of numbers out there. Uh, some people have a target of um, 20K. Some people have a target of 27K. Some people have a target of $50,000 Ethereum. So uh, I'd be happy with any of one of those numbers. Um, not to be a, what they call a moon boy, but if uh, before well before then, I will start to... Um, take some profits off the table because I can and I do have other investments. I'm looking to apply some of my returns from crypto in uh, one of those being real estate. As you guys know, I do. I will have a real estate um, episode coming up. That's the next episode I'm working on after here. I, I have become a uh, lover of crypto. That's for sure. Uh, you can kind of tell from the uh, episodes I've been making as of late. But I, I will be uh, returning back to my real estate Um episodes as well. Uh, but like I said, that's kind of where my portfolio portfolio is right now. Just kind of address uh, some of the questions out there. Uh, from there, I actually want to discuss a little bit about Wall Street Bets. That was pretty much all over social media, uh, YouTube, the news, anywhere you could obtain information. Uh, you heard about Wall Street Bets in their short squeeze on GameStop. And I don't really have anything to add there than anything you've probably already heard before, uh, except to kind of take a kind of really recognize what's happening uh, with the Wall Street bets um, coordinated uh, buying of GameStop to force, you know, very wealthy hedge funds to cover losses on their short 
uh, options trades that they made against GameStop, if that if that makes sense, if you know anything about derivatives. Uh, and not to not to get into derivatives, but more so to discuss kind of the culture and kind of the time that we're in and what people are uh, really thinking about when it comes to money. I, I, I personally think there are a number of factors that have contributed uh, to this. Um, one of those being the very unequal distribution of wealth uh, in the in our country, in the United States, but also across the world. Uh, and there's a very small amount of people who are able to be very successful at the system because they um, are able to leverage whatever power or wealth or uh, their abilities to, uh, you know, leverage the markets in their favor. And this coordinated uh, <laughs> this coordinated action by Wall Street Bets just goes to show that, you know, people are uh, getting fed up. Uh, people are fed up with not having access to to wealth and being able to build wealth if that's they so you know if that's what they want to accomplish. Uh, America has always been known for the American dream that anyone can make it in this country and build uh, whatever it is they want. But when you start to look at the facts and the data of the situation of how wealth is distributed distributed in our country and who has access to resources to build wealth. Uh, that gap is only continues to get larger and larger amongst between different groups of people. The other big thing the Wall Street Bets uh, exposed was obviously that, hey, if uh, very wealthy or powerful people are not winning at the game, they can just quit the game <laughs> or put the game on pause, um, which goes against the very idea of what we call free markets, uh, which is what we've aspired to, which is what is a big part of capitalism. Um, but that that's not that's not the case with what happened. Uh, as you as you all know, uh, Robin Hood came under a lot of fire uh, because it just stopped allowing people to trade. Uh, because as some people would say, the wrong people were winning, but you know the average person, the common person, was winning uh, against. Uh, billion dollar hedge funds who were losing money on short on short positions, betting that the price would go down, uh, but the price was going up uh, because GameStop stock was being per was being bought uh, instead of sold. So uh, it's very key to understand why this is good for crypto because the technology already exists to prevent these things from happening. Um, it's the, the the very beauty of crypto is that it's decentral that certain coins are decentralized but the idea of the technology is to build uh, decentralized platforms in which no one entity or no one person can control uh, the marketplace for example when it comes to stocks it's the marketplace uh, regardless of how it was coordinated how it might have been coordinated by Wall Street bets is still a free market. Um, and we prove that the market is obviously not free if someone starts to lose enough and we can just prevent trading from happening because the platforms or the technologies that currently exist are under the control of one group, one person or one entity. Uh, and that's what crypto promises that won't be the case. Uh, so you've had a lot of, uh, tr so you, you could ask like Jason, well, what's the, what's the solution? How does Robinhood not happen. Well, if you've been on the internet, there are a number of other uh, options that have been presented. It was definitely gave an opportunity for people to feel a 
a gap and we will start to see uh, more DEXs or decentralized exchanges. Uh, if you're in crypto, you already know about this technology. It actually recently just came out uh, not too long ago. Uniswap is not that old, for example. Uh, but Uniswap does this, as I've explained what Uniswap was over in, the, in some past episodes. Uh, but on Uniswap, it's a decentralized exchange where I can, uh, in the crypto world, I can exchange different coins um, uh, on the exchange and nothing can prevent, you know, nothing can decide to uh, increase or decrease price or stop uh, stop people or users from trading on the platform uh, because the people who pro provide liquidity uh, are able to make earn fees on the transactions that happen uh, on the platform. It's decentralized because it runs uh, across, uh, it's actually on the Ethereum network, it runs across um, thousands of computers, uh, as I've discussed blockchain on other episodes, particularly around Bitcoin. Uh, which is, as I've discussed in the past, the promise of the technology. Why it's powerful is you can't have situations like we saw with um, Robinhood and GameStop and the short squeeze and Wall Street bets. You could also help to understand why crypto is, can be volatile. Um, at the end of the day, people are, you know, they want to be able to invest, make money and not lose money. Um, because it's decentralized, you have more volatility because the market is really just a reflection of human, human beings. Uh, when human beings get nervous, uh, they tend to act rash. Uh, they do things like panic sell. We see this on the stock market. We see this in the crypto markets. The difference is, is that crypto markets are open 24-7. And uh, for the most part, unless you're on an exchange, if you're on a, you know, a centralized exchange like Coinbase, nothing against Coinbase. It's just it's centralized. It's owned by one company versus an exchange like Uniswap that isn't owned by one singular entity. Um, the no one's no one's going to prevent trades from from happening. So if everyone if there's a panic to sell, the exchange lets the selling happen. <laughs> Uh, so, yes, does that create winners and losers? Of course it does. Uh, but as we've always preached on this podcast is uh, we believe in self-accountability. We believe in educating yourself. If you educate yourself, teach yourself how to trade, understand uh, what it means by markets, understand uh, how to buy good projects, uh, which is why I'm kind of going through my portfolio. Uh, if you wanted to describe me as an investor, I'm more of a fundamental um uh, investor or someone, you know, who, who believes in the actual utility of a company, uh, what's the, um, what's the future opportunity that the technology, uh, is going to achieve, uh, opposed to maybe technical indicators that really look at just price, where the price is going to go up or down, um, and some of the technical analysis you might see. A good example of this is a Dogecoin. There's a, there's now a, a, uh, we have a description of meme coins now. Uh, Dogecoin was the next thing that like pumped hugely. Do I do I own any Dogecoin? I do not. Did I have any Dogecoin before? I did not. Um, but th that was more of a a statement. It appears to me. It looks like it was more of a statement to be made um, that we can't be controlled and that we will you know we will uh, band together. Uh, when I say we, people will band together and drive the price of something if they believe in it. Uh, there is a financial 
a sort of a financial protest revolution uh, kind of going on because in my opinion, there's too much wealth con- consolidated in too few hands and they've been able to manipulate the system for so long. Uh, and finally, people have the access to technology to uh, level the playing field is how I would describe it. But but th- back to Dogecoin, uh, I, the, some of the stats or some of the stats I kind of saw in the ether on the Internet, I haven't really, like I said, done any uh, research on Dogecoin because I haven't uh, had any desire uh, to because I didn't think it was a project that was um, really looking to in- get anything accomplished. But it became popular because it's very popular on TikTok, something I'm also not on, but maybe I should consider it. Um, and as I kind of talked about DEXs and decentralized exchanges, if enough people get together and pump, you know, decide to invest in a in a project or a coin or an investment, it drives the price up. Price goes up based on supply and demand. There's a lot of demand, though the fundamentals may not have been there, in my opinion, um, but a lot of people made money uh, if you were already in Dogecoin. But that's uh, just an example of why you can see volatility, why some coins perform more than others, because at the end of the day, all markets are just a reflection of human beings that participate in them um, and why you can see things pump from from time to time. So that's the only thing I, I would add there uh, based on the most recent recent market news and what's kind of happened in, in my opinion there. Uh, but from there, I will I will get back into my portfolio Uh Last my first episode, I discussed uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum and Aave. Uh, Actually, I I meant to give an update on Aave. I got into Aave when it was eighty one dollars. So I mentioned even on my last episode, I said, you know, I didn't I had the way I initially invested my funds. I didn't invest uh, into Aave to be as large as it is of my portfolio, but it has grown on its own that way. Uh, again, another example of the beauty of diversification. Uh, you don't always know everything. You can't predict how everything will perform. Uh, but I've been very happy that I made that investment. I believe Ave pumped all the way to $500 uh, per coin. I think it's come down some to f- around the lower 400s. Um, but like I said, I got in at 81 and I still got it. So I'm going to uh, ride this train. I'm, I'm very much in profit. Uh, and we'll look to to look at look for for other opportunities. Okay, so let's get back into the portfolio. I have about eight percent of my portfolio in a coin called Synthetics or SNX. Uh, before I get into some of the details of why I like this project and others that fall into this space, uh, this project in this space aims to really begin taking on a share of the derivatives market. Uh, the derivatives market, if you don't know. Uh, has been estimated to be valued at one quadrillion dollars. I'm just I'm going to say it one more time. The derivatives market has been valued at one quadrillion dollars. Uh, you can go online and research this. Some of that is um, debated. But even if the market is half the size of what it has been estimated the transition to tokenizing the derivatives market alone uh, could see a huge value increase for the companies competing uh, to really interrupt that space. So what is Synthetics? Officially, it's a derivatives liquidity protocol built on Ethereum, 
or more bluntly, a decentralized finance platform. So just like Uniswap, it's a DEX or decentralized exchange, as I was just talking about. The beauty of the DEX, as I was just, you know, just said, there's no centralized authority that you have to open an account with to engage in transactions like you might find on the stock market using any of the, the partners out there, whether it's Robinhood, Fidelity, etc., to do, really engage on the exchange. It's done all through smart contracts. Uh, I have a more in-depth understanding of smart contracts on my Ethereum uh, episode that I recorded. Uh, so definitely check that out. Um, the smart contracts uh, is really what makes Ethereum so valuable because at the moment it's the market leader uh, in this space and why so many dApps or decentralized apps are built there uh, because the likes of um, other companies are still chasing Ethereum uh, like Cardano. Uh, which may have something to say about that in a few years. But right now, Ethereum uh, is the leader. They have a functioning uh, platform, though it does have some bugs, some high costs with gas fees, et cetera. Uh, but people are, uh, when I say people, developers are building dApps on top of Ethereum like synthetics, uh, as we're talking about here. So in det more detail, synthetics is a synthetic asset issuer, which means users can create their own synthetic assets called synths. Uh, since our blockchain asset that are pegged to the real world asset that could be fiat currencies like the U.S. dollar, that could be precious metals like gold uh, or even other cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, for example. So each synth is denoted with a S before the asset like uh, SBTC, for example. So it's given real world exposure without actually owning the asset directly. This is very similar to what you do on the stock market with derivatives. You actually buy, uh, you invest in the underlying value of the asset, not the asset itself, uh, in which you trade like options. So calls and shorts and puts, uh, pretty much betting whether the price of an asset is gonna go up or down uh, against other uh, users in this case in the market. So, Instead, with synthetics, you do this all in the synthetics protocol on their platform or their decks uh, run by Ethereum. Uh, for example, if we were doing this with BTC, you could buy a uh, SBTC um, or a IBTC or the I stands for inverse synthetic or inverse synth, which means you're pretty much betting that the price of Bitcoin will go down if you're uh, wanting to buy and trade. Uh, against the price of Bitcoin, uh, you could do that with the inverse synth of Bitcoin or IBTC. Uh, if you want to buy and invest on the uh, price of Bitcoin going up, you can buy the SBTC and then trade uh, on the synthetic uh, DEX platform uh, or protocol. So that's uh, really intriguing. All this is run by the blockchain uh, via smart contracts. Uh, there is no centralized authority uh, involved in the trading of those assets. So obviously what comes to mind is uh, Wall Street bets and uh, the stock market or Robin Hood uh, pretty much just deciding to shut down trading. Uh, this can happen on uh, the decentralized exchange on synthetics, um, which is why the opportunity is so large. There is so many trillions and trillions of dollars uh, traded on the derivatives market in the stock market. Uh, and this is pretty much a example of it happening uh, in the crypto verse uh, on a decentralized platform. As I mentioned very early, but you can go to their website um, and start to trade uh, pretty much like pre trade derivatives 
uh, with different backed assets they have on the platform. Uh, why the opportunity is so significant or so large is uh, the vision of synthetics is pretty much any real world asset could be backed uh, by a synth, uh, which is why the opportunity uh, is so significant. It's very early um, assets like real estate. I don't even believe are even on there. <laughs> Uh, yet, uh, and you're just starting to get crypto on there. But imagine if the whole derivatives market or even a portion, you don't even need the whole derivative market, even 10%, 5% of the derivatives market uh, move to uh, synthetics or on the blockchain, the price of synthetics would skyrocket. Uh, so that's the bet you'd be making there if, if um, something that you like. It's why I like the project. I think that uh, has a lot of potential and opportunity over the long term um, and why I'm invested in it, particularly for this bull run uh, and really probably years down the road, even past this bull run. So the the other big piece of synthetics uh, to be aware of, you actually can stake synthetics. Uh, so I'm actually looking into that today. I'm going to stake some of my holdings of synthetics on the platform. Um, pretty much you stake synthetics uh, to allow users uh, to pretty much to power the ecosystem as users uh, buy and trade on the platform. Uh, you earn 0.3% interest just like you do on Uniswap. I, I provide liquidity on Uniswap uh, to earn rewards there, uh, which has been very profitable, by the way. I only I actually was like, dang, well, I haven't been doing this longer at the I've only been doing that for two weeks. And I think I already uh, earned three hundred dollars in uh, fees uh, for providing liquidity uh, for other users. So um, very, very bullish on this on this project. I think it will be a project that people get to know, uh, especially if we have the ultimate success of Ethereum 2.0, um, which is has officially launched, but obviously will be some time until we're fully there. Uh, but if Ethereum figures out their 2.0 and the, the high cost of gas uh, fees on Ethereum, uh, not only Ethereum will increase significantly in value, but all of the dApps that are currently built on Ethereum uh, will continue to increase in value and the dApps that have not have yet to even be created. Uh, on Ethereum. So as I mentioned before, Cardano might have something to say about that in the future. So I am uh, looking to uh, find a good time to buy into Cardano uh, as well. And I'll, I'll do a video on that once I do that. But um, Synthetics, check it out. Very bullish on the project. Uh, not financial advice, uh, but just my personal opinion. Okay, let's get into another part of my portfolio. Let's talk about VeChain. Uh, VeChain represents about just about under 5% of my holdings. Uh, I initially bought in the VeChain back when it was 1.3 cents. Uh, it's currently trading at just under 3 cents. Uh, and at the time of this recording, uh, VeChain, let me see, the market cap was just under 1.9 billion or just over $1.9 billion. Uh, so very large market cap um, compared to a lot of other projects out there. Uh, it's initially running It initially started running on Ethereum, but has since, you know, made its own blockchain over the over the years uh, as Ether at the time wasn't really predictable enough uh, for the costs associated with running a large scale commercial sized, you know, D app uh, on their blockchain. Uh, VeChain is more of a, kind of a niche play. Uh, they uh play in the supply chain space. So very uh, big deal for commercial size companies, companies who uh, either 
you know, are a part of supply chains for different products, whether you uh, grow oranges, if you're a farmer or if you're uh, transporting oranges, if you uh, are with the FDA, you have to test those same oranges. Uh, the the space that they play in is to really make an impact uh, and to make a more transparent uh, supply chain utilizing uh, blockchain technology. Uh, so created by really Sunny Lou and uh, Jay Zhang. Uh, Lou is a former IT executive with over 15 years experience and a former CIO of Louis Vuitton in China. Uh, Zhang's actually formerly uh, of PricewaterhouseCoopers and Deloitte in the UK uh, as a senior manager for over 15 years. So really a strong team, something you always want to consider when you're looking at a project. Uh, really saw that these two gentlemen really saw an opportunity in the supply chain space. Uh, after they really just saw that it was riddled with inefficiencies, fraud and scandals, I can imagine uh, that Lou working for Louis Vuitton, as we all know, the the amount of fraud uh, that happens in the luxury business, the amount of uh, reproduced, uh, unverified or um, unoriginal products that are made to look like a lot of the luxury uh, items out in the market. I'm sure he's definitely very intimate uh, in having seen that firsthand, having worked for Louis Vuitton. Uh, but really, most of the issues really stem from supply chain are, are really just from like a, a lack of trust and transparency uh, within the supply chain networks. Um, products kind of flow through the supply chain, but, the, you know, it's not really sometimes you I won't say you don't know where the oranges may ultimately come from as they travel through the supply chain and just kind of get handed handed down uh, from person to person or company to company. Uh, and there's, like I said, there's just a lack of trust uh, in the sometimes the origin of where these products have come from. Uh, we've kind of discussed a lot more about people being more uh, conscious of where what products they consume as consumers have demanded to know more about the products they consume. And so th people are you know, part more cognizant of uh, things like clothing and whether they were made by child labor or um, pretty much slavery, if you know anything about the the uh, chocolate market, particularly around cocoa beans, uh, the majority of the profits of the chocolate industry uh, do not go to the uh, overwhelming large amount of black farmers in West Africa. Uh, if you didn't know, um, most of that money goes to middlemen and not to the people who actually produce uh, and farm or uh, and farm the cocoa beans, for example. So VeChain kind of presents a really a strong opportunity to create more trust and create more uh, transparency in supply chain network. Um, as I've said before, you've kind of seen issues with this from uh, definitely with uh, luxury items. Uh, I don't know if, if you know anything about the wine trade. Uh, France has really dealt with a lot of issues when it comes to scandals and the wine business because uh, there are a lot of imitators, a lot of people just, you know, committing fraud and bottling wine and saying it's coming from uh, some of the elite, you know, places in France that are known for making really high quality line wine over uh, over decades and hundreds of years. Uh, but it's been really hard to track to actually determine where that liquid came from. Uh, so you have people or companies out there who are flooding the market with a quote unquote fake wine, an unverified wine. Um, and it's really just hard for consumers to to know the diff to know the difference. Uh, so the system, uh, what VeChain's really created is uh, really a solution to help, you know, 
I wouldn't even say help. It really has created a solution to utilize uh, the blockchain technology uh, to really protect against this and to really create, like I said, more transparency, uh, not just for consumers, but every party along uh, the supply chain from, uh, you know, the production of the the leather uh, for a bag to the uh, designer of that bag, to the manufacturer of that bag, uh, to the to the person, to the company that provides the metal parts that go on a bag. All those things, when they come together uh, to provide more transparency, utilizing their blockchain and the use of QR codes. Um, and really just to be more transparent, collaborative uh, down that supply chain, really acquire uh, really helps to acquire the amount of data and record that data as products travel down uh, that supply chain. Uh, for example, like source ingredients. Uh, if you have a, a frozen lasagna, for example, uh, the supply chain can track uh, via the blockchain and the QR codes where the actual cheese came from that was put in that frozen lasagna you bought at the grocery store, for example, from a consumer's perspective. Uh, it helps in that same grocery store, say that grocery store is Kroger, uh, and they have a specific uh, brand of cheese that they want to um, purchase or have in their stores. Uh, that data will be transparent, you know, a part of the, uh, will be will be able to be seen on the blockchain. And as you go down, uh, you can uh, acquire the data as it, as this uh, lasagna, for example, travels from the supply chain all the way down from the producers of all the ingredients to the people who actually make this lasagna uh, to the uh, refrigerator companies who actually transport this frozen lasagna. Uh, all that data can be recorded and seen real time via the blockchain by everyone in the uh, supply chain. It'll be time stamped uh, and cryptographic, cryptographically signed uh, by the party who produced the data or, you know, each part of that supply chain. Why is that important? Say there's a say there's an issue along that supply chain uh, and either that that time stamped or cryptographically uh, signed um, portion by a party is not verified or it, that product came from somewhere that it wasn't supposed to. Uh, and you can hold parties accountable uh, and, you know, interrupt the supply chain or deny deliveries. Um, that's what can be made available. You can stop paying for uh, uh, consumers or companies uh, can refuse payment for products that, you know, that broken agreement for how products were supposed to be acquired or purchased. Uh, there are a lot of things that can come from the kind of the blockchain ledger uh, that VeChain wants to provide from a commercial uh, perspective, because all of this information would be secured. It would be verifiable, it would be transparent, be collaborative uh, and can be shared between all parties along that supply chain uh, from the the farmer who, you know, uh, made the milk of the cheese that is in a lasagna somewhere. Uh, all the way to the consumer, you can scan the QR code and all this all this information uh, tracked along this uh, so along this blockchain uh, in a secured fashion uh, can be viewed by anyone, uh, which allows for people to be able to trust uh, where those products from and are more uh, and can assure consumers or anyone in the supply chain uh, that they're actually getting uh, what they purchased. Uh, so that's one of the things where I'm really bullish on VeChain, why I like this project, why I made the investment there. I think over the long term, uh, VeChain will uh, become adoptable um, 
in a larger way by companies. Uh, just to give an example, in 2019, Walmart China uh, had already uh, partnered with VeChain and PricewaterhouseCooper. Funny how that works. Uh, to really launch their Walmart China blockchain traceability platform uh, on the VeChain tool. Uh, so when Walmart, if Walmart thinks it works, I know they're uh, just from my career. I know how uh, important Walmart values uh, the efficiency of distribution because it imp ultimately impacts their profits. They're definitely a world leader in how to uh, be efficient with distribution um, and to make the you know make as much money as possible and, to, and reduce costs. Uh, if they, you know, if a big company like that knows the importance of VeChain, uh, in some of the research I've done, it's a big reason why I'm bullish on the product or on, on the, on the, on the token uh, and look forward what to, looks forward to what it can accomplish, uh, over the next, you know, five, 10 years, uh, as cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology in general, uh, become more and more, um, massively adopted. Uh, so those are the two two uh, two more coins from my portfolio. I'm going to have some more episodes on what else is in my portfolio. I have quite a few uh, positions there. Um, but as always, you know, continue to look for more content. More content's coming your way. Uh, I do want to highlight Token Metrics again, uh, if you didn't hear at the beginning of the episode. Uh, but definitely check out tokenmetrics.com. Uh, you can use my uh, my partner link, uh, Jason Jackson 5 to get 10% off of this if you find it something that you're uh, interested in. Uh, but as always, uh, no matter where you are in your financial journey, always take the time to be a good Samaritan. Peace.